a request that everybody stays calm at the current moment, for there is a zombie apocalypse currently happening on the West Coast. Do stay inside. Do not go out under any circumstances. If any zombies happen to get into your house, shoot them in the head or remove the head from... Well, welcome to another Paul cast. I know you can't wait to get to the next one. And frankly, I'm a little upset because we haven't won the Emmys because we know that that's rigged. We've been told that. So I should have won by now. But anyway, today, great show. I think uh, everybody will enjoy this. We have Alina, Alina Tubman. I, I can never get it right, even when I'm told Alina Tubman. But anyway, uh, we're going to be talking with Alina. She's going to be talking to us about something interesting, I think everybody will find. But she's been uh, in the most recently, she was working with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, doing some recruiting strategy and operations around that. She was with J.P. Morgan as a vice president, working with campus recruiting and doing an analyst program management thing. So she's been working a lot in the recruiting space. Her expertise is in campus recruiting and internship programs, so she works with her clients on effective programs around that, as well as with students in transition. So I can't wait to get chatting with uh, Alina on this. So Alina, if you're there, chime in. I am, Paul. I'm very excited to be here. This is one of my favorite topics, so I'm looking forward to our discussion. Well, thank you so much. As we, as everybody knows that listens in on this thing, that, that we try to focus in on the pieces of advice we as individuals wish we had gotten maybe a little earlier in our career. Um, maybe had somebody said something to us that would have changed the arc of where we ended up. And, you know, you had written in and said something I thought was interesting because it was kind of the opposite of what I was told, which was when I started my career, I was told, keep your head down, focus on what you're working on, get really good in your your little niche, and, and that's how you're going to grow. But you had a little bit different spin when you sent a note to me saying, hey, I'd like to chat on the call. So what is it that you would say differently than focus on your strengths there? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a very passionate topic for me because I've worked with so many students and early career hires over the years. And I always say that your knowledge and being able to get the job done is your ticket to entry into your career. And it's Mm -hmm. all of the other things that you have and will develop that will really help you shine and be able to progress in your career. So it's actually interesting because it's something that I wish someone told me. I was always one to keep my head down and produce really great work. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned over the years is that that's not necessarily the case because that's something that is your ticket to entry, as I said earlier. And it's how you develop your skills and how you develop your expertise in other areas that complements getting the job done, as well as your professional skills that will help you grow in the future. Yeah, so it's so it's almost like what I'm what I'm kind of hearing is that if you get really good at what they hired you for, or what the job, the core job function is, that almost guarantees that you're not going to move outside of that core function because why would anybody want to remove you from that if you're the best one at it? So it's almost like you're kind of saying that yeah, you need to be good. I mean, it, let's let's not uh, say that you you know you shouldn't focus on your core job function, but on the other hand, not having anything outside of that kind of pigeonholes you a little bit, right? Totally. And if you think about you know from a company's perspective, given that I work with so many companies on helping them um, make meaningful decisions about early career hires, mm-hmm. there's so much mobility, right? A lot of these millennials are looking for mobility. They want to stretch themselves. So if you pigeonhole yourself in doing a really great job at one thing 
you're not going to necessarily be able to take advantage of those mobility opportunities that exist. Well, that's very true. Now, I, I would sit, you know, if I'm, I'm coming in and I'm hearing this for the first time, I guess my first question is going to be something along the lines of, okay, I can kind of see what you're saying there. Don't become, you know, the number one expert in X because then you'll just stay there doing that because, you know, you can't do anything else. Uh, you know, kind of a one trick pony, but how do I decide or how do I figure out what it is I should be doing in addition to being great at the job I currently have or being focused on that one thing? How do I decide what else to do? Yeah. So I actually think of it back into the college days, right? You have mm-hmm. your major and then you potentially may have a minor or two that goes along mm-hmm. to either complement or supplement your major. So right. that's one way that you can do that is figure out if the role that you currently have what are some of those periphery things that you can do to really round out your skill set? So I'll take a quick example and think about someone in HR. If you are a generalist, right, you know a little bit about everything. But let's say in the future you want to complement your generalist skill set with that of recruiting or compensation just a little bit more. It's a great way to partner with a recruiter on a job search. It's a great way for you to be able to take a look at the compensation team and figure out how they do their planning throughout the year so that you can bring that skill set back into what it, what it is that you are doing in the HR generalist role. The other thing to that is also thinking about your extracurricular activities, right? Similar to college students on campus, they have their majors, their minors. They also have these extracurricular activities, whether they can demonstrate leadership or teamwork, knowledge base. All of those things they get through their extracurriculars. Similar, similarly, the same thing can be done in house at a company. So if you're looking to grow your career, what are some of the organizations or groups um, that you can join within your organizations to really stretch yourself? Whether it be the diversity groups that are in your organization, whether it be the social media groups where you can manage some of the social media profiles, for example, you can do some of those things and then relate back to your role. You know, it's been a long time since I've, uh, you know, had to worry about the beginning of my career, unfortunately. Um, although I think a lot of times, every time I get something new, a new challenge, I look at it that way. But, you know, I, I know going, when I first started out, I never thought about, looking around the company for places they might actually want somebody to volunteer. Now, I, I don't remember that. And, and I don't mean like a volunteer volunteer, but when you mentioned the social media thing, I mean, that's kind of an area that I know I struggle with a little bit with my own company that, you know, we, we have, I'm very active and I think everybody should be very active, but to get people to kind of step up and be active in that space is a little difficult. So how, you know, what, what should somebody look for? Is there, are there clues? Are there things that, um, are there areas that you know that most companies are always looking for a little bit of help that might, I, I don't know. And, and again, we don't rehearse any of this. So hopefully I'm not th- throwing you a, a curveball here. Um, but you know, if you were to recommend to somebody, where would you tell them to look in an organization for those opportunities? Yeah. So it really depends, right? Yeah. If you are in a small company, then There's a lot more opportunities to do things outside of your immediate role. So if you are working on recruiting or you're working in an operations role, the social media thing is probably really easy, especially if that company doesn't have a strong marketing team. Right. But sometimes the hardest thing, to your point, is to be able to raise your hand. 
Mm-hmm. And own your experiences and say, hey, we don't have a social media channel or we do have a social media presence on Facebook, but we don't have it on Instagram. I'd love to give that a try. So I think that's the first step is raising your hand and seeing the things that you want to mm-hmm. explore and how you can add value to the company. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I do think you're right. That's hard to do. I think the bigger your company, the harder it is to. You're right. I think smaller companies, um, just almost by virtue of their, their kind of bootstrapping a lot of things, um, make it a little bit easier to get that experience. And I mean, that, that goes a long way. I think, you know, for the future too, um, uh, is having that time to do that. When, you know, when, when I think about the different departments in a company, you know, there's some areas I wish when I was starting out that I had spent more time in, like say finance, you know, I mean, I think if I had learned more about how companies manage money, but I don't think there's a place in finance for where you could go up to the CFO and say, you know what, I'd like to learn more about finance. Can I jump in here and can I audit your department, so to speak? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a really great point, Paul. And having been in a large corporation, you're right, it is a bit more challenging to do. But I think that's what really differentiates your top performers with your average mm. folks, right? And being being that I oversaw our analyst program, one of the things that I, that I saw in most um, effective analysts do was the uh, taking on the value of mentors and sponsors, mm. as well as HR. So if you right. go to your mentors who are in the areas that you're trying to right. learn more about, they may be aware of projects that are going on that are looking for a cross-functional perspective mm. on. But if you don't have those mentors or those sponsors for you, you don't know what's going on. So you're right. It might be hard to go to the CFO and say, hey, I want to learn what you're doing. Yeah. But if you have a mentor in finance and they're working on a project and they would yeah. love for you to review something and give your perspective or join one of their teams on mm-hmm. a project, right? It's not a full-time commitment, but you're able to see some of those things and how they intertwine and affect your role. And right. you might be able to add value that somebody in finance can add value. Right. You know, so that's I was just going to give you an example. Yeah, of, please. You know, when I was when I was uh, running the analyst program, I was very much focused on the recruiting and the employee relations issues of it. It's interesting that you say the finance piece because I was I never really had a background in finance, but I wanted to learn more about it so I can bring it into my role. Because part of running a program is it's great to manage when they're in the program from training to the employee relations issues to the recruiting to um, their promotion from the program. But the finance piece and how we look at headcount is important. So instead of me just getting our headcount report for the analyst program, I actually went to the finance team and said, I want to understand how you guys are coming up with these numbers. What are some of the things you are, you're looking at so that I could bring you my perspective of seeing what works in the analyst program? So then we can marry both of that in making more effective decisions in how we're going about hiring our entry-level talent. Yeah, that, you know, and, and just the whole idea, the whole mentorship thing, uh, I've, I've been at one company where we had that and I was asked to be a mentor and I, and, and that was great, except that the, the person they wanted me to mentor didn't want to be menteed <laughs> and I could never get the engine started there. But, uh, you know, from a, a new person starting out, if you are at a company, I, I have to believe that if your company doesn't have a mentorship program, that that would be something you could potentially get started, even if you, you know, by, by just going to, to HR or some other management person that you have a good relationship with and saying, you know, I, I think we should have a mentorship program. I, I have to believe there's plenty of information out there on how to start one. Um, so I think they could do that, right? 
Absolutely. And again, that will differentiate your top performers for your average performers, because the people that are truly invested in this and want to do this, they will find ways. Uh, but I think it's a little bit more than, you know, starting a mentorship program, because mm. what I found is the best mentors are the ones that you find offline. So mm. they're not necessarily the ones that you are assigned to based on, you know, some algorithm that the HR <laughs> or the mentor program um, folks come up with. It's your interactions with people and people that you connect with are going to be your best mentors. Oh, so you're, you're, you're saying because I was a jerk, the guy didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> well, no, it's not that, right? It's the, it's, now it's a forced relationship. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I, right. And so, now that you say it out loud, I, I totally get why that person might have said, you know, hey, wh- wh- why? I mean, I don't even know this guy from Adam, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now are there specific areas that you think, especially working with, you know, the college students, early career people, uh, you know, I had a conversation this morning at breakfast. We were talking about school and college. I've got a couple of kids. One just finished her master's. And now she's working full time. And then my son get, is getting his uh, bachelor of science this fall. And, you know, we were talking about education and, and what areas should somebody coming in? What would you recommend to somebody about what they could um, potentially what areas should they focus on, I guess, is my point. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of areas that they can focus on. It's also um, hard because it's, it depends on what it is that you're interested in and your background. I think the top two areas that are crucial in any role are going to be uh, technology, whether mm. that means you know being able to code or understanding that language, just because it seems that technology is all around us. Right. Or that means the social media or being able to market and brand yourselves online effectively. Right. Just having a basic understanding of that is important because it just, if that's the language of the future or that's the language of the present, quite honestly, right. will continue to be the language of the future. The other two things I would say would be um, communication. Communication is just so important. And the more global we get, the more um, flexibility we have in our working environments and our schedules, the more it's going to be important to communicate effectively across channels, across, across platforms, across geographies. So that's another thing that is extremely important. And then the final thing that I would say is um, some aspect of project management and operations. Mm. While it's important to be really good at finance or understand the finance dynamic, accounting, corporate finance, uh, et cetera, the engineering, software engineers, mechanical engineers, et cetera, that's your, again, I, I will take back to what I said earlier, that's your ticket to entry. But at the end of the day, you are working in a team. You will be working on projects. Mm-hmm. And to be able to effectively manage those projects, whether it's the formal you know, project management softwares and um, a lingo, or whether it's just your ability to get from point A to point B, is going to be so important. And now taking it back to the way we communicate and how we communicate all those three things are going to be crucial for any hire coming into the, the corporate world. 
Yeah, I, I hear that, and I do think that whole communication thing is critical. I see a lot of discussion on the on this on the war in, on the web, and even that uh, you know the ability to 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 put string. I'm having a difficult time doing it. Put together a cogent sentence, uh, the ability to write a paragraph that makes sense, or an email that's uh, you know specific and to the point and doesn't ramble, and all of those communication skills are one of the areas people are complaining about uh, that that that. There isn't that um, focus on that, I guess, and so that that's a lack, uh, something that's lacking with people coming into the workforce. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that uh, I'm kind of I'm going rogue here on you, uh, but you know, do you think that's true, or do you think that's just more of an overblown? There's a couple people like that, and it just becomes urban myth. Yeah, so I actually think it is very much true, and I mm. think that the reason it's true is I think there's some truth to it, and then some some, you know, elements of a falsehood to it. And the reason I say that is because people don't, people need to learn to communicate effectively in the workplace and there should be boundaries between personal and work. The other piece to it is also you have a lot of millennials that are coming into the workplace. I mean, before you know it, in the next, you know, 15, 10, 15 years, more than 75% of our population uh, in the workforce will be uh, millennials. But there's also an element of our managers, Right. And they're right. using a certain level of communication. And for us, it's bridging that gap. So while the folks, the millennials can't necessarily communicate effectively, there's truth to that. But it's also adjusting on both the hiring manager and the new workforce that's coming in and striking the right balance between and changing it so that uh, to see what it would look like in the future. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, and we don't have to wait too much longer because then mm-hmm. everybody will be a millennial, right? I mean, right. We're, we're approaching that point where it, it really makes no sense to call it millennials. It's just the workforce. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have Gen Z and now you have the alpha generation that will be in the workforce before you know it. Oh, so that you, you're you going with the alpha. Other people are going with this, you know, Generation Z. Other people are Generation C for connected. So we still haven't gotten to the 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 official moniker for the next generation yet, huh? Yeah, I don't think so. But I'm going to stick to alpha. I kind of like alpha. And I've not. I can be honest. I don't think I've heard that. What? Where is that being derived from? Um, so I heard it in a couple of places, actually. I heard it used at NACE, at the NACE conference, um, mm. which is the National Association of Colleges and Employers. Mm. And then I read it in a couple of the articles that are talking about the changing our future workforce. So I don't think that, to your point, the phrase has been coined just yet. Um, hmm. But that's something that they're looking to, to call this generation. So. Yeah, some consultant must have a trademark on it somewhere probably, eh? Exactly. <laughs> It'll make someone lots of money in the future. <laughs> so now I mentioned I've got uh, – so, so I've got my son. He's graduating. He's going to have a degree in chemistry. If you and you don't know him, but what would you tell him right off the bat? What 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 are like the what would be the hundred day plan for him if he gets a job at an organization? What would you give that? What would you say to him? So the first thing I would say is figure out and learn as much as you can about the different options that are out there. You can do so much with a chemistry major, and but don't pigeonhole yourself in only thinking about um, companies where you think it makes sense to be uh, to have a background in having a chemistry major. Mm-hmm. So think more broadly. You can apply your chemistry major in so many different channels. It's figuring out how to articulate your story and and balancing that with the interest that you have. Mm-hmm. Think about your chemistry major. Think about the things that you enjoy, and that should really help, or the interest that you have, and that should really help you figure out where you want to land. 
Once you actually land in a company, the advice that I would have in thinking about the you know first hundred days is don't get so caught up in the actual work. Do a really great job in anything that you sign on to so that you can have the credibility to make others uh, move within your career in a short amount of time or mm-hmm. in, a, you know, a fa- in a fast way versus right. getting stuck in your job. But it's important to do a good job because you can't go to your next job without saying, I didn't really like this. So I just, you know, coasted through it, didn't really deliver. But now I'm going to, I want this and I'm going to deliver for you. Your mm-hmm. credibility really has to speak for itself. Yeah. Good. Well, good. I'll, I'll make sure he gets those pieces of advice so that I can get him out of here. <laughs> well, you see, and make the, the other thing with advice is if you ask for advice and you receive advice, make sure you actually action on the advice. Well, that's, you know, uh, that, that is such a, you know, I, I, I agree with you on that because I don't know how many people have called me and said, what should I do? What should I do? And I give them advice and then I find out they did nothing with it. It's like, well, why did you even ask? <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's actually one of the most frustrating parts of being, uh, you know, helping students and being a career consultant is because mm-hmm. students will ask and they're so excited in the beginning and then yeah. you give them yeah. all this advice. And honestly, they don't know what to do with it or they'll just sit on it expecting to get a different result uh, just by sitting on the information that they get. So if you actually do something with the advice that you're getting or the suggestions that you're getting, it will take you so much further in life. And the problem is that most people don't do it. They just ask for advice and sit on it. Well, I'm going to go beat him up so that he takes that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're right at about 20 minutes, which is what I like to keep these at because that's the average drive time in America today for people going to work, which we all know most people, it's more of a 50-foot walk these days. But uh, is there any last piece of of advice or discussion you want to touch on as it relates to not focusing 100% of your time and energy on what you have right in front of you? Any last you know, we, we've kind of covered quite a bit here, but mm-hmm. any last pieces of, of, of wisdom you would get some, give somebody starting out? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll leave you with two pieces um, of feedback that I have received and some words of wisdom for uh, folks that are starting out. The one um, piece of advice that I've received, which I've loved, is your attitude will determine your altitude. Mm-hmm. Love what you're doing and be great at what you're doing and put a smile on your face when you're doing it, even if it's not the best project at the moment because it will help you get to where you want to go. So your attitude will determine your altitude. And overall, just to wrap us up with the conversation we had today, at the end of the day, the more skills you have in your toolbox, the easier it, um, you'll find to innovate and create new things and be successful in the future. I, you know, I, I like that last one yeah, because I, I do agree that, you know, we, we, so much we talk about specialization and I, I think we live more in a world of, of, um, you know, if you can be a jack of all trades, uh, not to say that you shouldn't be a master of none, but you should have more than one, one arrow in your quiver. And I think that we forget to tell people that it's, you know, that we can, you can do more than one thing really well and having a, a broader, uh, experience and, and training and education net. Uh, I think makes a huge difference. And I don't think we do enough of that. Um, and I think college is, you know, I was thinking about that because my son, you know, he, when he went and got into chemistry, I mean, he had so many specific courses he had to take and it, there was no, there was no opportunity to be broader. And I thought that, I think that's a, that we're missing something that there. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. So it's our opportunity to change the world. Yep. Well, again, thanks so much. 
Alina, for your time here. Is there a website and Twitter handle you want to make sure everybody hears? Yeah. So the best way to contact me is through my website, alinatubman.com, which is A-L-I-N-A-T-U-B-M-A-N.com. Or you can shoot me an email at alinatubman at gmail.com. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Awesome. It was a great to chat with you. 